Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven on this Thursday morning, December 22nd. I hope you are well this morning, nice and cozy and comfortable and safe. And if you are out there working outdoors today, know that you are in our prayers and our thoughts throughout the day. Speaking of prayer, let's begin our morning as we always do with prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail and blessed be the hour and moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. In that hour, vouchsafe, we beseech thee, O God, to hear our prayers and grant our desires through the merits of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and of his blessed Mother. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I had a good laugh last night because the kids are home from school now. They, their last day was yesterday, and we were telling them with the upcoming weather, they're like, oh, it's going to snow. And we said, yeah, it's also going to be incredibly cold. You can't go outside. What? Where are we going to go? We're not going anywhere. We're staying home. Well, what are we going to do? And then a little bit later, like, how are we going to, the house isn't decorated for Christmas. How are we going to finish that? And I said, you know that whole thing about being locked up and cooped up for two days because it's going to be so cold? That's when we're going to finish getting the house ready for Christmas. So it all works out in the end. Today for you, we have one of our favorite segments from earlier in the year. You know, speaking of being home and making the home a holy place, we're going to be going back to a segment we aired with Chris Horan on being a Benedictine oblate earlier this year. Plus, we have the catechist for you. We've got some music for you this morning, the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and more. But let's find out the latest on that weather. And for that, we turn now to Mike Roberts. Today we revisit St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Though her feast day was just over a month ago on November 13th, the church returns to honor St. Francis Xavier Cabrini today because she foresaw the great need of those in the modern world who would leave their homes and countries behind in search of a safer place to raise their families in peace. Born in Italy in 1850, Francesca was the youngest of 13 children only four of whom survived. Her parents were successful cherry farmers, and when she was a child, her father would read her stories about the missionaries. As a result, Francesca developed a desire to become a missionary herself. When she got older, her desire became even more specific, to become a missionary in China. After finishing school, she helped a local pastor for a while, teaching catechism while also working with the sick and poor. Eventually, she ended up supervising a local orphanage and was assisted by a group of young women. When the Bishop of Lodi heard of her work, he asked Francesca to form a missionary group to work in his diocese, which she did, calling the group the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. Immediately, they opened an academy for girls. Seeing this work, Bishop Scalabrini, founder of the Missionaries of Emigration, told Mother Cabrini about the extremely difficult conditions facing Italians who had gone to the United States, which led to an audience with Pope Leo XIII, who changed her plans to go to China, telling her not to the East, 
go to the United States, sister. In spite of her great fear of the water, Mother Cabrini went to the United States, landing in New York in 1889, but it was not easy. The archbishop told her the house intended for the orphanage was not going to be available and that she should go back to Italy. Undaunted Mother Cabrini found a way to start a school for children of the poor Italian immigrants, followed by many more. Over the next 37 years, Mother Cabrini erected schools, clinics, orphanages, and hospitals for the needy and the sick, nearly 70 institutions in all, not just in the United States, but around the world, crossing the Atlantic, which she so feared 25 times. In 1909, Mother Cabrini became a U.S. citizen at the age of 67, died at Columbus Hospital in Chicago while making dolls for orphaned children. St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. O Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God, and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day. By that grief which you severed on Calvary, when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross, obtain for me a happy death, that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. Earlier this year, we had a chance to sit down with a friend of the show, Chris Horan, and talk about what it means to be a Benedictine Oblate. And as I look forward to the next couple days home with the kids trying to make our house holy, I'm really looking forward to revisiting this segment with you this morning. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and we're happy to be joined by Chris Horan this morning, who normally is with us on the Roadmap Roundup on Friday mornings. And Chris, I think you're about one visit shy of being considered an official panelist. I think your probationary period is up. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm getting close. Yeah, wow, yeah. That's exciting. Well, one of the times you were with us on the Roundup, you mentioned that you are currently in formation, if, if that's the appropriate term, to become a Benedictine oblate. And it was one of those things that, you know, you mentioned casually once and then we moved on to the next topic. And then another week you brought it up again. And I keep saying, you know, I, I want to talk to Chris more and more about that because it, that's somewhat intriguing. So today we're taking the time to do that, to share this spiritual process you're in with our listeners. So first and foremost, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a great topic that I love to talk about and to uh, encourage others to, to discern this as well, because it's a beautiful way to order your life. Well, let's start with the what. I mean, we, we kind of have glossed over it just a little bit in our Roadmap Roundup conversation, but what is a Benedictine Oblate? So an Oblate essentially is, in general, is somebody who is offering themselves in service to God, who's wants to solely dedicate themselves to God and in the Benedictine spirit to Our Lady and to St. Benedict as well. And so the oblate, the, the word oblate means offered. So initially from a Benedictine perspective, parents would offer their children to the monastery to be educated, to start to learn the life, to do some work and to, um, 
you know, eventually enter the monastery, God willing. So obviously we're not all called to monastic life. Marriage is the typical vocation for most of us. And so in becoming an oblate, you can share in the fruits and the life and the spirituality of the monks while living in the world. I was going to say, I think it would cause a little bit of scandal here if you were to abandon your family to run off to the monastery, and yet the monastery allows you to be affiliated with it. And you've said this before that, you know, this is different than becoming, say, a third order Franciscan or a third order Dominican. You're not just affiliated with Benedictine spirituality, but you really are becoming an extension of the monastery that you're associated with. That's correct. So I am associated or associating myself with Clear Creek Abbey, Our Lady of Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma. And yes, it's, it's not considered a third order. You're, you're essentially a lay member, spiritually affiliated and an extension of the monastery in the world. Okay. So I imagine this is not the kind of thing that you just go online, fill out a web form and bada bing, bada boom, you're now a Benedictine Oblate. What is the process of formation that you are going through right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I get this a lot of what, what does this entail? How do I how do I start? Because uh, I have a group of ten or so friends that are interested as well. So, formally, the novitiate is a one year minimum. Um, so you you communicate with the monastery that you're interested in. It could be with the sisters. It could be in, in Gower, for example, or it could be um, with Clear Creek. In, in my case, and so you let them know that there's an there's an oblate or novice master who's typically the novice master of the actual not the monks the monk novices and so you communicate with them let them know you're interested they give you some at least at clear creek they give me some um things to read and to to start the discernment period ahead of the novitiate and so that was about a nine month period for me roughly nine months to a year where i went to visit for the first time to, said Oh, this this is a beautiful life. Um, what can how can I do this in my home? So I entered the novitiate. That is a minimum a year, and then um, and then after you, so you go to the, you go to the monastery if you're able. Some, you can also get a delegate, like a diocesan priest is a delegate in some cases. And then once you've done that, you via some prayers and veneration of a relic. If uh, if you're at one of the monasteries. Um, if it's been a year, you go back and you make your oblate promises. So you've made some promises as a novitiate to discern, to help you discern. And then after a year, you um, got a minimum a year, you can go back and um, officially become an oblate. Now, you use that word discern, which is a great, I love that word in our faith, that, that we don't just decide things, you know, Snapping well, what am I going to do? And yeah, there we go. I, I've decided. No, we discernment is a process, and it's a lengthy process. Right. Um, I imagine, though, that much like the period of discernment for the men that enter the monastery as Benedictine monks or, or the sisters that would enter the convent, that that period of discernment is somewhat of a two-way street. Not only are you, Chris Haran, discerning whether or not you are called to be a Benedictine oblate, the monastery, Clear Creek, as you mentioned, is discerning is Chris Haran called to be an oblate, an extension of our abbey? That's exactly right. That's the beautiful thing about becoming an oblate is if you are not called to the monastery, you can still live it in the world in, in the same, nearly the same way, right? The same way when and we can get into um, how they pray and how, how I would pray, how the family prays, um, and how we work as well, because the Benedictine motto is ora et labora, or pray and pray and work. Yeah, I remember we had Father Augustine Weta from St. Louis Abbey on the show one time, and 
he said, we say ora et labora, or as some of the monks have said, ora et labora, et labora samora. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. work and prayer and, and, and more work and more prayer. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. What What is the work that you do? I mean, obviously, you're not living at the monastery 24-7. You are a husband. You are a father. That's your primary vocation. You also have a full-time job to provide for your family, and yet you do take on some of the Benedictine rule or Benedictine spirituality in this. So what are you what are you called to do as part of this? Yeah, so there's, um, again, different monasteries have different uh, things and how they go about this, how, how their oblates go about this, but just a couple things of sort of what is required of an oblate, if you will, right? And, and to before I get into this a little bit, the... These do not bind under the pain of sin. So, and granted, some, at least uh, what Clear Creek has given the oblates is, you know, a good part of it is the precepts of the church, which makes sense, but they want all that, you know, that is the foundation of all of this. And so, um, if you fail to do some of these things, it's, you know, not the end of the world, but you can, you know, given our state in life, we, and, and that's a that's a component of this, is we first must fulfill the duties of our state in life with utmost fidelity. That's that's in the, the obligations because they know whether you're a parish priest and you can become an oblate or you're married, right? Those duties are going to take priority to what's required of an oblate. So some things that are required of an oblate, at least per Clear Creek and I think of, of most monasteries, you are desiring to seek God. You're desiring greater perfection and you have a special devotion to St. Benedict and to the whole Benedictine order. Um, you work to and strive to promote the good of the monastery that you are attached to, as well as all of the Benedictines, right? You want to speak highly of them, obviously um, read more about them and encourage people to go visit them, financially support them. They specifically mention sort of cultivating a generosity, warm-hearted generosity to the poor um, because, you know, even today, but back, back in the day, the poor would come to the monastery, they would house them, they would feed them, and then, and then they would go on their way. Another key thing is reading and really pondering over the rule of St. Benedict. There's so much there that's rich. And um, to go along with that, I have a, a commentary on the rule that kind of distills it down for oblates that a, a priest has written. And that's really helpful to um, take this into the world. You know, really quick, I, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but we, we talk about the rule of St. Benedict. And I remember uh, when our, our oldest was born, I said, I wish there was a manual for parenting, you know, how, how to raise a child, what to do <laughs> each nice and one. every day. And actually in the monastery, though, there is a manual for how to be a monk. If you're a Benedictine monk, you live by the rule. So when you say rule, we, we literally do mean rules for living as a monk. That's correct. Yeah. So St. Benedict wrote this. Um, there were some even before him, but he took his own spin on it, um, how to live, how to pray, how to order the day. And some monasteries, you know, it's not you have to do this or you're not Benedictine. It's you take this as as direction. So reading and pondering over that, using that commentary that I mentioned, the commentary for oblates, there, there's the text of the rule in there, but also there's commentary and then application. So I can take that because my wife and I were discerning, how do we how do we take the rule and do it at home? And that this commentary is really helpful for, for doing that. A key thing the Benedictines make, you know, there's importance in the rule is, you know, having a special love for the sacred liturgy um, and taking as an oblate, taking an active interest in all that concerns the beauty and adornment of churches and altars and preserving the true splendor of divine worship. So um, for example, on Tuesdays, um, at least at Clear Creek, they want you to keep Tuesdays in honor of St. Benedict. So I've been going to Mass on Tuesdays to do just that. 
know, combining prayer with work, right? So it's not just praying. They don't just pray all day. They do pray a lot, but they don't pray all day. They uh, have livestock and they have a big garden and they, you know, they make rosaries and, and homemade gifts, Catholic gifts that they can sell in the gift shop. Um, also, they, they, at least at Clear Creek, you keep various feasts, such as the Purification of Our Lady, um, St. Benedict, obviously, St. Henry, who was not in the monastery. He was, you know, sort of an oblate. He's, he's good for the oblates because he's in the world, but wanted to live the monastic life. And as well as St. Francis of Rome, uh, she was widowed and then started a monastery after her husband passed. So those are just a few things. They, they, have, they have many, many more things, but um, these are a few important things for, for our family, at least. Yeah, well, that, that gives us a good start here. Uh, Chris, we're up against a break, so we're going to do that. We're going to take a pause here for our listeners. Friends, don't go anywhere. We're talking with Chris Horan about what it means to be a Benedictine Oblate, and when we come back, we're going to hear about what this actually looks like in the Horan household, because these are all some really great things he's sharing with us, but, you know, what does that actually look like in the daily living for Chris and his family? Well, to find out, you got to stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. We're happy to be talking with uh, probationary Roadmap Roundup panelists, but really a good friend and, and friend of the station, friend of the church, Chris Horan, who is in the formation process to become a Benedictine Oblate. If you're just joining us, Chris is in the process of becoming a, an extension of the Abbey that he's attached to, Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma, and living aspects of that Benedictine life of Ora et Labora in his home. So before the break, Chris, we were talking about all of these things that are that all of the Oblates are called to do, a life of prayer, cultivating uh, generosity towards the poor or the unfortunate, devoting yourself to prayer and penance, studying the rule of St. Benedict and, uh, and meditating upon it, not just reading it, but really spending some time digesting it. What does this mean? Um, love for the liturgy, love for keeping Tuesdays in honor of St. Benedict, observing other feasts throughout the year. And then this is what all of the oblates are called to, but then I wonder specifically, what does this look like in the Haran household with, with you and your family? It's a good question. I get up at 4.30 and pray matins. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, the, as and the I wake do, the children up with me, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and we chant. Um, no, so every day I, I, I don't wake up that early, right? The Even if you purchase a, a diurnal, which is what the divine office is in for the monks, more traditional monks anyway, it doesn't have matins in there. They, they don't expect... Uh, somebody to purchase that diurnal, that set of uh, the office, and get up that early at five in the morning as the monks do. So I, I get up around six thirty. Uh, nobody else is up yet. I do some spiritual reading, but then after after they leave and go to school, the more quiet time around eight o'clock is roughly when the monks at Clear Creek pray prime, which is technically the third hour uh, of the day, but it's one that the at least the novice master Clear Creek has suggested to pray, and then. Toward the end of the day, praying Compline. 
So those are two hours of the office because they that's a part of the obligations that they at least suggest you to pray the office. And we do things, you know, when I do go to wake them up using a bell, right, to instead of just yelling up the stairs, uh, hey, wake up, wake up, you using the bell, they hear the bell. It's a consistent reminder every day to to come downstairs or, you know, come, come to breakfast, come to the table. We also are starting to try to use that for calls to prayer, uh, calls to dinner, just like the monks do. If you're, if you're at the monastery, you're going to hear the bells all the time. Um, I try to also lead, and this isn't necessarily in the order of the day per se, but just a couple things that we do in our home. So I, I try to lead the dinner prayer as an abbot would. So if you were to go to the refectory at the monastery, uh, at least for lunch and dinner at Clear Creek, the abbot you know, chants the, the, the prayer. There's part of a psalm. And so I'm trying to do that with the kids. The kids are so young, so sometimes they're <laughs> especially hungry, and so they don't want to wait. Um, but it's it's teaching them a little bit of patience that we don't just dive right into our food. Um, and also the monastic silence, which is in the evening after evening prayer, the monks are quiet until after prime the next day, which is roughly you know 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. to 8, 8.30 a.m., right? So there's they're only, if they have to say something to another monk, they're whispering, and it's very short, but they, they are not talking. So we are trying to do that more in our home to calm us in the evenings. They can sleep better. And so there's not a lot of noise in the mornings as we're waking up and having breakfast. It's it's as calm and, and quiet as possible. Again, difficult with children. Uh, so don't expect it's going to be, if you, if you try this in your home, that it's going to be exactly what you want it to be. Um, another key tenet that we're trying to do more and more of, or which we are doing more and more of, is hospitality. Really inviting people over just to foster good Catholic community, and if you were to go to the monastery, they're very hospitable. They, um, you know, the men can go, at least at Clear Creek can go and, and go to the refectory and have meals. Uh, the guest master is very hospitable and giving you, typically giving you a room if, if, they're, if they're free. We try to host different gatherings and events, um, bigger events in some cases, uh, campouts and things like that. Um, and we also, not in our home per se, but we're starting to take meals. To, or we have been taking meals to families that have babies or are sick or something. And, you know, these are kinds of things that the monks would do when people used to live close to the monastery. They would be their spiritual help and in some cases physical, but the people would be the financial. So now we talk about all of these things and I mean, I'm hearing them. And from what I know of Benedictine abbeys, it it is all in line that hospitality, that life of prayer, the times of quiet in the monastery uh, and so on. I'm curious, what's the fruit that this has borne for you? I mean, I know you're, you're somewhat early on because this will be, uh, once you're done with formation, somewhat of a lifelong thing. Right. Um, not that you're taking perpetual vows like a monk would, but right. what is the fruit that this is bearing for you and your family and your spiritual lives? The biggest thing is order and structure. Um, for many years, I went through RCA in 2010, and for many years after that, I was... I was only 22 at the time, so I had a lot of reading and, and prayer and things to catch up on. And it took a while to find where I wanted to focus. And so the Benedictines were it because I, thanks be to God, I had a natural devotion and, and love for liturgy and for chant and sacred music. A, you know, a year ago, we moved to a little bit of land and it's almost like our little domestic monastery now, you know, come to think about it. And so it's the, the fruits are prayer and structure and order stability really is one of the key tenets and in the, in the work, right. The, 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 or at labora, the labora component and showing our kids the, how these two go well together. 
um, and, and giving them rather than just going to school and coming home and playing video games like most kids probably do, right? At least not Catholic kids, but, you know, in the world, our, our kid, we want our kids to come home and just be, be able to go out and, and play and, and not be confined to a backyard and just really imagine and be, you know, have awe and wonder for the, for the grandeur of God out, out on our property. And so it's just been a, a beautiful way to order and structure our lives and, and focus our spirituality and attention on the Benedictine saints, which there are many great ones. And as I help them foster their devotion for the liturgy and for sacred music. That's really wonderful. So as we wrap up here, I, I guess the last question I have for you, actually I have two more questions. So the penultimate question, there's your Scrabble word today, friends. If, if a listener out there is saying, you know, this might be really good for me because I, I do so much better in my daily life and in my spiritual life when I have that structure, when I have something to keep me anchored, really, yep. to not just the, the prayer component of the day, but the day as a whole. Because I, I don't know about you, but I find that when I live a structured life, when I make that effort, my prayer time is more fruitful because I actually have more time to pray and I don't feel rushed and I'm not distracted by the 8 million other things. Oh, what do I need to accomplish today? Right. What was that phone message I need to return? What was that email I need to get back to? Maybe they're saying, but I don't have everything in order. Like I, I might not be married. I might be a single person listening today, or I might be a widow or a widower listening today. Is this something that's just specifically for young men early on in their marriage who couldn't go off to the monastery but want to be affiliated with it? Or is this really something that, that could be good for anyone? That's a really good question. Yeah, th- this is really good for anyone. Um, and I would, it, depending on where you live, you know, find the, not necessarily the nearest monastery, but because, for example, Clear Creek is six hours from from here in St. Louis. Um, but it's find somewhere that you have a special devotion to, or you've been there before and you you know, appreciated the life there, um, just contact them and ask the question. They will have a novice master who will be interested in talking to you and helping you discern and giving the resources that you need to to come to the decision of, of entering or, you know, starting the novitiate and then entering, becoming an oblate at least a year later. And um, yes, it's for, for any vocation, uh, even secular priests, right, that you're you're not in an order. Yeah, it's, it's just a great way to, to live your life that's focused, grounded, stable, helps you truly enter into the to the prayer and the mysteries of the church, really view the liturgy in the office. All right, last question for you. When I think of Benedictines, in, whether it's in the monastery or the, uh, the convent, I think of their cool habits. The Benedictine habit is one of my favorites. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're obviously not a monk. Right. But do they give you anything that, that you are called to wear? Like, do you have a scapular around the neck or something like that or, or a medal or a, a chain or something like that? Yeah, when you enter the novitiate, at least at Clear Creek, we received a scapular. And uh, you can also wear the medal, either or. Um, but yeah, you would wear the scapular because it's sort of a reflection of the scapular, which is much bigger than the lay scapular that goes all the way down to their feet and over their chest down, you know, on, to their feet on both sides. Um, and a cool thing too, is that w- when oblates die, you have the option of being buried in the habit with the cincture and everything. So um, I'll see, have to see what my wife says about that uh, if I pass before her, but uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to, to, cause monks go to the monastery to die. That's what they, they go to see God and they know they're going to go and, the, and, the, and they will die there. That's, you know, it's, it's a really cool 
thing that you can do as an oblate. Yeah, that's a really profound thought. Monks go to the monastery to die, not just to to die to self, but as you said, it's a lifelong commitment for them. So they'll never actually come out of the monastery if, if everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Right. That's a, Wow. That's a humbling thought. Well, Chris Horan, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on uh, Roadmap to Heaven outside of the Roundup to explain this and give us a little bit more in-depth look at that. So friends, practical takeaways today, even without being an oblate, practice hospitality towards the poor. Mm-hmm. Practice hospitality in your community. Maybe welcome your, your friends and, and neighbors over to your house just for gatherings or, or what? buy someone a cup of coffee. I don't know what that, what that might look like for you. And, and devote yourself to a life of work and prayer. Uh, Chris, thanks again for being with us today. Friends, we're going to take a, another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Prayer for vocations. God, our Father, who wills that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of your truth, we beg you to send laborers into your harvest and grant them grace to speak your word with all boldness, so that your word may spread and be glorified, and all nations may know you, the only God, and him whom you have sent, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of the Americas, and Mary, Mother of the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, pray for us. We still have a catechism for you nonetheless, and that is okay. So the question is, how long does the Christmas season last? How long does the Christmas season last? And I would remind you that we have not actually started the Christmas season. So the answer is that the Christmas season lasts through the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Now, one of the things uh, that I love, I heard a homily the other day. Someone sent this to me. It was from an unnamed priest. And he said, you know, if, if you're Catholic and your Christmas tree comes down on December 26th and I see it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back into your house and put it back up for you. And I, I had a good chuckle over that. And I just thought, oh, isn't that a wonderful, wonderful reminder for us that, you know, things begin really Saturday evening with the the first Vespers of Christmas, and they go on. Now, in some places, including the Vatican, they leave the Nativity up all the way through the presentation of our Lord on February 2nd, and we've been known to do that in our house, to leave some of our decorations up through that time as well. Um, I feel a little anxious because we still haven't put everything up. We're in the final days here, the final stretch at the house, and we're getting ready to put the last of the decorations up to be ready in time for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then I just get to relish in it, you know, when take it through the end of the Christmas season. Another interesting thing I was reading, you know, we were talking yesterday with Monsignor Morris as we went to our look back segments about the martyrs of the Christmas season. And as I was preparing today's catechism, I, I had a little chuckle that when we get through Christmas Day, the very next day, the gospel for the feast of St. Stephen the Proto-Martyr is not a Christmas gospel. In fact, none of the readings on Monday will have anything to do with Christmas. And on Tuesday, we celebrate St. John the Apostle and Evangelist. And again, the readings for that day have nothing to do with Christmas, and yet it's still the Christmas season. So a little bonus catechism question for you. When do we go back to readings of Christmas after Christmas Day? Well, we'll do that on Wednesday with the Feast of the Holy Innocents, uh, another beautiful, beautiful feast. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We're having a kind of an enjoyable, slow-paced morning. When we come out of that break, we'll have the weather for you again, as well as the daily dose of encouragement. Hope you're warm and cozy wherever you are this morning. And, uh, well, 
as we often say, let's just be holy here. So anyway, that's what's ahead. That's what's in store for us coming up here on Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. We will be back after this. The star of heaven that nourished the Lord drove away the plague of death, which the first parents of man brought into the world. May this bright star now vouchsafe to extinguish that foul constellation whose battles have slain the people with the wound of death. O most pious star of the sea, preserve us from pestilence. Hear us, O lady, for thy son honors thee by denying thee nothing. Save us, O Jesus, for whom thy virgin mother supplicates thee. Amen. We're talking about gift ideas this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and as we get even closer to the Nativity of our Lord, Patty, what's in store for us today? Well, I think one of the most important gifts that we can give, we're talking about gift giving, and I gave some practical advice, you know, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but today I want to talk about the gift of time. You know, spending time one-on-one with someone, whether it's two friends that you haven't seen each other in a while, or it's a parent and a child or a grandparent and a child, whoever it is in your life. But you know, you could make up a gift certificate and it could say, I'm taking you to lunch or we are going on an outing, just you and I, or I want to treat you to a picnic in the park or a walk in the woods or a special sleepover or a day. I love this. If you're, especially if you're a grandparent, I want to treat you to a day with a grandchild, perhaps to teach you how to learn how to sew or quilt or cook or whatever your special gift is. Call it the gift of our special day, or maybe there's someone that you could give a special retreat day. You could go to mass together, go to a beautiful church or a shrine, then spend some time in adoration, go for a walk, pray the rosary together, and then go have lunch. You could treat yourselves to a retreat day. A lot of times I do that with a friend. So you and I, my gift to you is we're going to have a retreat day together. But again, spend time. The gift of time is really one of the most precious things you can do. I think we just need to be more present to one another. So just make a certificate. Think of something wonderful that would be meaningful for that special person in your life. Maybe this is for your spouse, right? You and I are going to do this and make it meaningful and beautiful. But don't underestimate the power of the gift of time. I know that every year my daughters look forward to receiving a craft gift from my mom And it's not so much about the craft. It it is about the time that they get to spend one-on-one with Grandma doing the craft. Patty, this is a fantastic idea you've shared with us today. I really have to say that that idea Patty shared with us today is so powerful. And I've seen that among so many of my friends and family. That gift of time this Christmas season is truly one to treasure. So I hope you do take that to heart. I hope that you have enjoyed our week so far, looking back at some of our favorite segments. Tomorrow on Roadmap to Heaven, we have our final Roadmap Roundup of the year. And it's our Christmas special as we wrap up this fourth week of Advent and get ready for the... Christmas joy that comes with the incarnation and our celebration of the nativity this coming weekend. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to go to mass with friends and family on Christmas. And so I want to encourage you have that plan for wherever you're going to go. I know there's going to be some cold this weekend and, you know, I haven't even looked out the window yet. And I know that later on this morning we are going to, uh, 
we are going to see some snowflakes falling, but let's have that plan and be ready to go. One last thing I'd like to share with you. I've seen several of my music director friends posting this, and I have to echo this. It's incredibly true. When you go to Christmas Mass, sing. Sing, sing, sing. Every last carol, every last song. There is nothing that I have ever experienced about singing in the liturgy more beautiful than when the entire church is singing together. And Christmas is one of the few times when it's very true to say that pretty much everybody knows everything we are singing. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful way we can participate in the liturgy. Um, I also remember this time of year. Let's pray for our priests. Let's pray for our deacons. Let's pray for our parish musicians and pastoral staffs. You know, as we're getting ready to celebrate a lot of time with our families, they are getting ready for a weekend spent pretty much in church, and they sacrifice a lot to make it possible for us to go to Mass and have beautiful liturgies. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So like I said, tomorrow morning we have the Roadmap Roundup for you. We're not going to have a Roadmap to Heaven next week, but we're going to have some fun next week. What does that mean? Well, you'll just have to stay tuned. And don't forget, Christmas music starts right here on Covenant Network on Christmas Eve as we get into the evening, so we look forward to it. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.